minister unto us with a fresh word from the Lord. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It is wonderful to gather with one another here on Sundays. Um, if you guys know, we've been in a, a series called The Vine. Uh, the Vine. John, why don't you go ahead and come up here and, and do that. We've been in a, in a series called The Vine. <coughs> Last week, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the process of the conquered king, what that meant to be a conquered king. Going from the taking the story of David, whenever they took the Ark of the Covenant, when they were taking it back into Jerusalem, and uh, the beautiful imagery of what that meant for the presence of God to be back into the capital city uh, of the nation. However, when they put the Ark of the Covenant on on the cart, uh, they were doing something inappropriate in the eyes of the Lord by placing the Ark on a system and on a barrier, on a cage, on a on a cart that was not meant for the presence to be carried on, so that whenever the oxen slipped, the Ark of the Covenant rocked, and Uzzah put his hand up to stabilize the Ark of the Covenant and was struck dead. Again, remember, if you go through and see how, how God designated for, uh, for the Ark of the Covenant to be carried, it was supposed to be on two poles. And then on those two poles, when they would carry it, then they would be able to hold the presence of God with on the shoulders of the priests, and they would be able to walk through and and take it wherever they needed to. However, they entrusted it to a system, to a, to a, a cart itself, and not on the, on the weightiness of the people. <coughs> and so, we challenge. We were challenged last week. I challenged you guys. I challenged myself that we cannot rely on a system, on a, on a church. We cannot rely on, on other things to host the presence of God when we're supposed to be hosting the presence of God. We can't allow just because it looks like it's moving well that that's the only thing that's going to be able to host the presence of God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we can't allow that to be the thing that holds the presence of God. We have to be responsible as priests to unto the Lord that we're supposed to host the presence of the Lord and then take it everywhere that we're supposed to go. Again, God, Jesus didn't say that we're not supposed to have any yoke or any burden. He said, lay out, take off your burden and put mine on because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we're not supposed to be unburdened whatsoever. That means that we're void of responsibility. But when we're burdened with something, then we have the responsibility of, of maintaining and correcting and pushing and, and making sure that things are where they need to be. And so we still have the burden of the presence of God and the, and the decree that he has for us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we still have that, that, that burden from, from the Lord. We're supposed to host the presence of God and be able to carry it with us, which should transform us as we continuously go through. Something I didn't mention last week was that inside the Ark of the Covenant, they had a couple different artifacts. One was the, was the law. And when you had the law in there, that was one thing that hosted the presence of God, that had the presence of God along with it in the Ark. So you had to have the law which we, we're going we're gonna to see here in a, in a little bit, is that you see that in, in Matthew chapter 5, that Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. You also had the rod. You had, had, had Aaron's, uh, Aaron's rod. And so that was, that was used in many different occasions. As you look through the Exodus story, whenever the Israelites came from Egypt in captivity and went on, that rod was also used to show the power and the might of God. But it wasn't just by God's hand, it was through his servants. And so it shows the responsibility of us that we have to take hold of what God is calling us into and to walk it out. But it's not by my might or by my power, but it's by the spirit of God. And so you have those responsibilities as you're carrying the weightiness of the presence of God, you don't just carry 
just an, an aura with you. <laughs> it's, it's not just an energy that you have. It's not that, that's a very new agey in its, in its sense, but it's, it's the responsibility of knowing what the word says. And then in knowing what the word says and hearing God's voice, then you can take hold of what he has and then you can walk that out in, in what God is calling us into. And so we see these things and then, then you have the bread of life. You have some of, the, some of the, the representation of God supplying for the needs of his people, especially in times of desperation when they were in the wilderness. And so when you carry and you host the presence of God, you're carrying the, the, the realization that A, God's truth is the truth. It's the absolute truth, and there's no my truth and your truth and everybody else's. There's none of that. It is the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you host and you carry the truth with you. You also host and carry the responsibility of walking out your salvation in fear and trembling, obeying the things that God called us to do so that if he says, put that staff into the sea, it will split, then you're going to put that staff into the sea and watch God do something crazy. Because I can just take a stick and throw it in the water, and that's not going to do anything if it's not something the Lord told me to do. But you have to know that the Lord is calling you to do something, especially if it's very radical. Is the Lord asking me to do this? Or am I just trying to manifest something or make something happen just because I want to be seen as someone who is significant? And then moving into the position of knowing that it is the Lord who provides for my needs. He is the one that has the cattle on a thousand hillsides. He's the one that can take care of everything that, that I need. But I need to walk out in obedience as well so that I can see those things happen. So that I know that Romans 8, 28 says, therefore all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's not all things work together for good, so I'm just going to wait for stuff to happen. It's are you walking out things that the Lord is asking you to? Are you walking out conviction? Are you being challenged by others? Are you going through processes that's actually giving you the ability to walk out what God has called us to and is to obey his voice? And so that's what we talked about a little bit last week. This week, we're going to be uh, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. He says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think that scripture gets taken out of context quite a bit, especially in charismania. If you look at the context of this passage, it's talking about correction within the body. I think we can hyper-spiritualize a lot of passages because we can cherry-pick it out and then say that we apply it to all kinds of stuff. We talk so much about binding and loosing within the, the, the heavenly realms that we forget that we're supposed to bind and loose within the community of, of believers. It's so easy to do this, especially if books are talking about certain things and people have had certain experiences. Maybe they have a testimony of things that God has done in their life. It's easy for them to then take that and apply that across the board in everything that they're doing. However, if we look at scripture, and we really see what the scripture is saying. Read before, read after, read the entire chapter, read the context in which Jesus is talking about or whoever the author of the book is saying. Then we will find out that there is a lot more simplistic explanation to what's happening here. 
So again, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Step one. We've been talking about being in the vine, right? From John 15. That's where we started out in this, in this series, is that I am the vine, you are the branches, my father is the gardener. So everything that we're supposed to be focusing on as far as our growth and development has to go, has to start from within. Has to be within the community. I was speaking with some people yesterday about um, uh, just a, a family member of theirs that, uh, that is walking out in homosexuality and it's, it's so easy for us to point fingers specifically at people who are living lifestyles that are alternate to the way that we view things. But if they're not following after Christ, then guess what? They're not being held to the same standard that we are. We end up looking like religious bigots whenever we come to a place where we just approach somebody out of nowhere when there's no relationship there. They're not looking to grow. They're not looking to ask questions. They're not looking to go through a process of understanding who Jesus is. That's a very different conversation if you're meeting with somebody who is walking out in sin and they want to know more about Jesus and what it means to love Christ. Then we can meet that right in that place and the Holy Spirit will help you and lead you and guide you and give you words to say that you may not have ever known. It'll recall scripture for you so that you can understand things. But if we just stand there and we start pointing fingers at people who are not believers and tell them that they're dirty, rotten sinners and horrible people, then guess what? We're not winning anybody. You just look hateful. When Jesus rebuked people who were coming around to, they came to him and they were listening to him talk. So when he rebuked them, it's because they were paying attention to what he was saying. They were interested in, in joining in on what was happening. There was a movement happening. Jesus was moving all over the place. So there was a specific opportunity for him to be able to bind and to loose. And so we see here, he says, if you encounter a brother or sister in sin, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, then you have won them over. We'll stop right there. If you found that somebody has missed the mark, then you can go with, go to them and then you can help bring out correction in their life. But you do it in love. It's not if you don't like what they're doing, it's are, did they sin against the Lord? Have they sinned against the Lord? Not are they doing something different than the methodology that you may have done it? Not does it look a little bit different than the way that you may have done something, but have they sinned? Have they missed the mark when it's come to holding to the standard that God has set before us? Now, if you approach them and you're able to talk with them, then you've won them over. That's, that's awesome. An easy way to approach someone and to know if they're sinning or missing the mark is do you have relationship with them? Are you close with them? Are you able to approach them in a way to where any kind of correction would be uh, would be welcomed. Again, it says brother or sister, right? Are you able to call that person truly a brother or sister, or is this just a name? Is this, this is just brother so-and-so, this is sister so-and-so. I'm not talking about that. That's a religious vernacular that we use within Christianity. Are they truly your brother or your sister? I mean by blood, our blood, by the blood of Jesus, and through relationship, are you able to say that in community that I have with these people, they can call me out because we have that kind of relationship. I trust that the words that you say are going to be ones that are righteous and ones that will call out good things in me and I in you. That's the covenant relationship of believers. 
that we have with one another. And here's the deal. If that doesn't work with just the two, with just, just you and that person, then you can bring some other people who are wise into this conversation. Hey, I could be an error and I could be trying to point out something that's not correct. And so maybe I need to have the, the, the heart check in there. So I can, let's bring a couple people into this who are wise and who can, who can offer good counsel. Is this going to be something that's great? Okay, awesome. Let's do that. And if that works, praise the Lord. But if not, then there's going to be a, an issue that has to be brought up, and that's within the community of believers. Is this person truly following after Christ? You'll see the fruit of it, too. It doesn't have to be like we're going to stand supposed so-and-so brother right here, and we're going to tell of all of his shortcomings. Everybody vote. Are they or are they not a brother? Like That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the way that you're supposed to do this. But within the community of believers, you'll be able to tell the fruit that's in this person's life is not reflecting the fruit that is attached to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. And so if that person is grafted into the vine, then they will want to go through the process of pruning because they want to grow. They want to develop. However, if not, then you know that this person is either a pagan, they, they're outside of the belief system of Christianity, so I'm not going to pursue correction in this person's life. I'm not going to pursue that type of relationship anymore. I'm not, they're not going to speak into my life in that way, and I will not speak into their life that way because they're not being held to that standard. I loose them from that responsibility. I loose myself from that responsibility then. When you bind something together, you pull, that means you're pulling it closer. You're tightening it up. If you bind something, if you bind hands, you're bringing hands together, right? So whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. You are solidifying relationship with one another whenever you're able to bind people together and draw them closer. If you bind a branch together in the, in the hopes and process of, of having a healing process go through, you're winding it together. You're bringing it together so that what was broken will, will be able to heal. Whenever I went through surgery in both my knee and my ankle, they had to bind it together and they had to strap it up and they had to do all kinds of things so that it could heal properly. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven as well. Jesus said in, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a relationship that is supposed to occur in heaven and earth together. Supposed to be a relationship. And that is why we're talking about binding on earth and, loose, and binding in heaven. Loosing on earth and loosing in heaven. It's because this is a process of community and communication. If truly we're being led by the Holy Spirit and we're reading the word and we're understanding scripture and we're going through these things, then whenever we do approach somebody, it is hopefully the Holy Spirit who is quickening the truth inside of us as we study the truth remember as we're holding and hosting the presence of god we know that the the word of truth is in there because we have the law we have the activity of the of the of the rod and the rod in a shepherd's perspective is also one that brings correction it's one that's able to pull people back pull the sheep back it's the one that's able to to find and to lead and to guide and to do all the things that it needs to there so you have those processes of leading guiding and pulling others in because that's our responsibility as believers and as the body of Christ. However, if people are walking in complete and total sin and they're in disregard of any correction or anything like that, then there can be a loosing of responsibility in what, in what God is doing in the middle of our, our community together. And I'm not just talking about here in this church. I mean, as you have relationships with others, 
doesn't mean that you don't care about them, but it's the responsibility of keeping one accountable to what the scripture says. You can tell if somebody is really trying to walk that out or if they're not. Now you can pray for their soul, pray for their heart, pray for a change, and that's amazing. We need to do that consistently for those who we want to come to know Jesus. That is a great responsibility that we have, but that's more evangelicity and not intimacy. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This is still within the context of peace. Still within the context of correction. Still within the context of love in the middle of the community. I think it's so it's so easy for us in and the more that I study and the more that I've, I've had conversations with people, it it's, it's appears to be so much easier to take things out of context and then to recognize where these things are out of context whenever you study and you start to know Scripture. When you hear things consistently just as like little quips, little sayings that we have here and there just in Christianity, it's easy to just take it and then apply it because you're like, oh, well, this is just what we all say. This is what we all believe. But truly, is this what Scripture says? Is this what the Bible is teaching us? Where two or three are gathered and we're like, oh, yeah, so when we come, we're just going to pray. Yes, the Lord is there, but he's also with you when you're alone and when you're praying. So that doesn't track. Right? That contradicts itself. Somebody feel uncomfortable? I can feel it. <laughs> is, is the Lord, do we agree with this, that the Lord is there when you're praying by yourself? Amen. Is the Lord there whenever you are with more than one person? Okay, cool. So this scripture probably doesn't apply to just you praying. Amen? Okay. This scripture, in the context of this, of, of this passage, is dealing with bringing correction. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Because Jesus is about unity in the community. He's about uniting the body together and not dividing it. Division is division. There's two visions. There's multiple visions. And so the Lord doesn't want multiple visions. He wants one vision. That vision is predicated on what Jesus called for the church to do, not what any one person that has, has been able to hear from the voice of the Lord has done. This is on what the scripture says. Now God lays things on our hearts for what he would like to do in communities and in places, and he, he gives us a challenge, and he, you know, he puts things in our hearts to equip us and to ignite us and get us excited about what he's called us specifically into, but that does not mean that we just follow after one specific person's vision. If all I did was follow after his vision, then I would, I would be led to destruction because that means I'm worshiping him. Amen? If all I do is follow, and then, and then there's many of us that we find are a really popular YouTuber. We're like, oh man, this minister is amazing. I'm just going to follow every single thing that person says. Guess what? You're idolizing that individual, which means that you've let the presence of the Lord rest on a cart instead of on your shoulders. You are in error, and then when that cart moves and you try to prop that person up because you feel like every single thing that they say is gospel truth, then you are also zapped at the same time as they're zapped whenever they fall. And then you're, you start deconstructing because that person fell. However, if I am, if I, if 
I am pursuing after what Jesus has called us into. If you are pursuing after what Jesus has called you into, then you will find there's much more unity in the midst of that. A.W. Tozer uses this example. I, l- I love this example. He said that if you take a room full of thousand, a thousand pianos and you tune the first one and then you get the second one tuned to that one. Then you get the third one tuned to the second one. The fourth one tuned to the third one. You keep on going and going and going and going. And you have all of them play a G chord. It's going to sound horrid. Horrible. Just awful. If you build another example if you take a piece of wood and you cut it and then you take another piece of wood and you measure and you cut it just based off of that wood that piece of wood discard the first one take the second one and the third one try to cut the third one to the second one and you keep going guess what if you put all those things and stack them up it's going to go like this because they're all being based off of each other's standards and not a specific standard however if you take all of those 1,000 pianos in that room you tune them to one tuning fork and then you have them all play the key of G beautiful it's all one I mean it's going to sound glorious just real full real rich all in the same key if you take those pieces of wood and you cut it to the exact same dimension every single time it's going to be much more level and you're going to be able to have exactly the structure that you need to We need to make sure that when we're looking at scripture, we're not just taking other people's interpretation of scripture and applying that and then other people's interpretation and continue to do that over and over and over and over again. I cannot walk out what God wants me to by following after someone else's responsibility. However, if I'm tuned to what the Holy Spirit is calling me to, if you're tuned to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to, if you're tuned to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to, if you're tuned and you're tuned, and we keep going that way, and guess what? We're all tuned to the same person, which makes us in unity. It's a lot less difficult to walk out in unity when we're all unified to the same vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches. We need to stop feeling like we are the vines. We are but branches attached to the vine. If you want to produce fruit, and fruit that will last, you have to be attached to the vine. Otherwise, if you're attached to another branch and that branch dies, then so you will die. Beatitudes, we've been there. I just, I can't, I can't leave it. We've been there for a couple weeks as well. I'm just going to read it real quick. He says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. (laughs) Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everything in the Beatitudes has much to do with your inward response to the heavenly kingdom and then your outward response on how you treat people. I mentioned this before, but the, I, I just love, love looking at the Beatitudes and seeing that the first and the last thing that's mentioned is blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything in between deals with solidifying that you're part of the kingdom of heaven. If we can be poor in spirit, then that means that we are, we are humble, humbling ourselves to a place of being able to be corrected, not king of my kingdom, not king of my castle. But I'm humbled in a position of being able to do that. We mentioned last week how when David was when David was bringing the ark uh, back into, after they kind of fixed some things and they got it from, uh, from the other house, they, they put the poles on the priest's shoulders and walked into, into the nation. And when they came into the city, David had, his, had all his priestly robes off and he was walking in his skippies. And, uh, and Michael was really aggravated at that. But if you remember of what happens to a conquered king when they enter, when they, when they lose a battle, is that the king would take the defeated king, strip them of all their things and walk them through the city in their underwear as a disgrace, showing that that king has been conquered. And so when we are poor in spirit, we can show that we are conquered kings. We are conquered in our own eyes of royalty, bringing ourselves low and being able to be corrected and not running the show. I am not running the show. God needs to be the one that's running the show. He needs to be the one that reigns in my heart. He needs to be the one that reigns in your heart. He's the one that needs to lead and guide us in the place and the direction that we need to go. Otherwise, we'll be stalemated by trying to run our own kingdom. So whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Not because, not because we're just so awesome and we're just taking down every single principality that's here. I have a theory that if we are truly compassionate towards one another and if we walk out in fear and trembling our salvation and we love others who are in our community and we actually go through a process of correcting and convicting and going through all these things through the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit and then we have a heart for the community and we go out into the community and we deal with people and we, we show them the love of Christ and we get them set free and get them saved and get them in the walking out in their salvation and we apply that same thing to their lives then guess what? The enemy will have no foothold in, in this place because he loves to orchestrate his doings through people. Same thing as, as the Holy Spirit loves to do things through people. So the enemy's counterfeit to what the gospel is doing is that he wants to thwart every single thing that people can do and put them into bondage. And so instead of being bound to sin, binding, they can be loosed from the kingdom of darkness as they get snatched up by the kingdom of light. But that has to be done as our light shines before men. 
We're supposed to be lights, like a city set on a hill, not being muted, not being taken down, not being covered, but put on display so that those who are in darkness could see that there's light and they could go to it. But it is not the city that saves the person. It is people that provide the shelter to those who are weary, who are, bro- who are hurting, who are broken. It's people who also go through and help with the healing process. They don't just show up to the city and all of a sudden they're good. They don't just come to church and all of a sudden it's all good. How many of you guys have gone through trials? I'm included. We're here in the church. That doesn't mean I'm good. That's just a little step. We have to go through a process of being bound and loosed in the middle of the community of believers. If you're detaching yourself from the community of believers, then that means that you are susceptible to walking out into bondage again. When you were with, when you were with Jesus and walking out your salvation, then that means that you are enraptured by his, his thoughts and his, his, his will and his, his burdens. And his burden also, if you look all throughout scripture, if you look all throughout his relationship with disciples, they were dealing with a whole lot of things and issues between one another. Dealing with past and previous thought processes. You had people from various backgrounds in the middle of the 12 disciples trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, who was there in the flesh. Tax collectors, you had people who were used to being in vineyards, you had others who were fishermen, you had people from all different walks of life who were coming together and trying to, trying to do this whole thing with different ideas and backgrounds and and different skills and things like that. So of course they were going to go through conflict. Of course they were going to deal with things. Jesus told them, hey, you guys have little faith. I mean, he got on them constantly for their inability to grasp what it is that he was doing. But in the middle of his binding, pulling them back into, into the reality of what he's calling them into, then they were able to see something powerful happen as their mind was transformed by seeing what Jesus was doing. We have to be carriers of the presence of God. We have to be correctable. We have to be able to walk out in a position knowing that if I study what the word says, then the weightiness of the word will also be able to be held on my shoulders. If I practice obedience and practice risking, then I'm going to not only know what scripture says, I'm going to experience a relationship with Jesus in that. And if I truly believe that what God says is real, then I will trust in his provision, even though I may not be able to see it in this very moment. John Wimber used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You have to risk. You have to risk being in community. You have to risk being held accountable. You have to risk all these things Otherwise, if you're left by your own vices, even with great intentions, you will stumble and you will fall. Because our ability to understand what scripture is just on our own is very difficult. However, God did something amazing by having us come together as the body and be able to see the love of God through different people's eyes as they share testimonies of God's goodness. Testimony just means do it again. And so if we're able to share these testimonies of what God is doing, then we're saying, yes, God, do it again and do that in me.
Do we have hearts that are geared towards community, geared towards correction, geared towards love? If we do, then you're going to start to notice that as you gather with one another, as you treat one another like actual family, then it will be more attractive for those who are even outside. Because let me tell you, this building's not going to attract people. People can hardly find this building, let alone see it. So it's not the building that's going to be attractive for people. That's not what's going to bring people to the kingdom. You know how many beautiful church buildings there are? They're full of spiritually dead individuals. cannot be a building. So if we truly want to actually grow in what God is doing in our community, if we want to if we want to see revival in this place, then we have to walk out community. Because if we do not walk out community, then we are not walking out the gospel. We have to. Have to have to. We can have church services that last 85 weeks. But guess what? After the 85th week, where's the fruit? Will there be fruit? Is the next generation changed, equipped, challenged? And then are they challenged to do that to the next generation as well? Or is that just a historical move of God? And we try. You can look all throughout church history and see many great things that God did. And you can see fruit from many of these moves of God. And the fruit that lasts are the ones who stay challenged with one another and they go through processes of growth with one another. The ones that fizzle and fade were the ones who placed their idolatry on a person. Their affections were on the gifting and the talents of individuals. And as soon as that person fell, or that person died, because there's been many moves of God where a very powerful individual went through their life and it was doing great, but once they died, there was no continuation of it because it died with them. They didn't equip the next generation, they didn't equip other people, they didn't give, give opportunity for others, and then it diminished and it dwindled and it faded. And then it's just a building that used to be something, but now is fading away. Maybe it got chopped up and now it's now it's apartment complexes or something. Whatever is bound on earth, be bound in heaven. Whatever's loosed on earth, be loosed in heaven. Are we binding? Are we are we are we really convicted about binding ourselves together with one another? Or are we so easily loosing? because it's a harder responsibility to be so tightly wound. I could have let my, my Achilles just not go through surgery and not go through that process. I'd be hobbling really bad right now. I wouldn't be able to move and maneuver around. I wouldn't be able to hardly even drive or anything like that. That would be a painful process. I would not be able to function in the way that I do now unless I had that binded together and went through healing. It's much easier not to get cut up by a knife, get put under anesthesia. A lot easier not to have to go through the rehab process of that, because that was not fun. If anybody's ever gone through surgery or anything difficult, it's not cool. 
But guess what? You feel way better now that you did than you did before when it was all horrible. I'd be on two wobbly, hobbly legs right now if it wasn't for surgery, being bound together. We have to walk out that process. It's uncomfortable to be bound together. It's, n- it's not an enjoyable time all the, every single time you go through that. It's not. But it grows you, and it sustains you, and it shows you that people truly care. I'm not here just for a feel-good sermon. We can get all those at many different places. You can just sit at home online and find whatever church you want to because everybody streams everywhere. But it's the community that brings us together. It's being here face-to-face, the interaction you can get. And so we have to seek that out. Binding and loosing. Keep me accountable, please. Please talk to me if there's some things that are going on that you, you feel needs to be changed or different. Please do that. I am, I, am, I, am, I am not a perfect individual, and I don't have all the answers correct. But I want to have as many answers correct as we can. And so, you know how you end up doing that? You have to talk to other people, and you have to get some things known. Don't be afraid to approach leaders. You should be able to do that easily. There should be an answer given when there's a question asked. It's the purpose of a question is to get an answer. I want to be challenged. I want to be. I want to be equipped. I want to. I want to grow and I want to learn. I can only do that if we do this together. It's the only way. I can hear from the Lord, but He doesn't always give me the in, the entire puzzle piece. Many times, I'm sitting there chewing on something, and then my wife will say something. Like, Dang it! That's it. That's the one right there. How'd you know? And she was like, "Well, I've just been thinking about this." Ah, well, I needed to talk to you instead, instead of just sitting here and trying to. Figured all out in my own head. I think sometimes we get intimidated with approaching people who are in specific positions. That shouldn't be the case. Should not be the case. You should be able to talk about things. It's a part of the binding process. Figuring out what's good and what's not. You can talk about things as long as there's action applied to it. Otherwise, it's gossip. But if there's action applied to those conversations, then that's very needed. We, we need to have that. I think it's, I think it's easy for us to take the, um, the passage, uh, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm, it's out of context as well. That's real easy to take that out there. And then, then we end up in a process. There's a movement called the NAR that's a very oppressive almost like the shepherding movement if anybody was was familiar with that that movement back in the day where it was just you could only answer to the leader and the leader was the only one that heard from the holy spirit and that's just horrible you can't do that um and so because uh, really that passage touch not my prophets or do touch not my anointed do my prophets no harm that was that was in the recap of israel's history psalm, psalm 105 verses 15 i think it is verse 15 talking about just the history of israel Going through every single thing that they did, all the things that God brought them out of. Talking about other kings from other kingdoms, not to touch his anointed Israel, entirety of the nation. Prophets as those who carry the good news, the good word, as promise for what Abraham's generations would do would be to bless the nations. And so if they were to persecute and to withhold God's anointed people, the Israelites, from doing what they need to, then guess what? 
the world would, was not going to flourish. So he said, don't touch my anointed. Don't do my prophets harm. The ones who carry the good word. That doesn't mean come, don't come talk to me because I know what the Holy Spirit says and you don't. It's a false representation of that, false understanding of that. So we need to be able to approach one another. I'm a human, you are a human. We are God's children. Amen. Are we, are we okay? Are we okay this morning? Okay. <laughs> I want us to do well. And to do well, we have to be in community together. We have to. At the very end of the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here's the deal. Get this part. If you are the person in the community that's being talked about, and it's by everybody else, then that's probably an issue with you. Probably something going on that you need to have fixed. <laughs> so it's not if you're just if you're going through correction or everybody else has a different idea than you do, doesn't mean that you're the one that is persecuted for righteousness' sake. <laughs> it probably means that you need to have some correction in your life. <laughs> because if we're doing this within community, then that means that we're all pursuing after Jesus. There's not one person who hears from the Lord only, and then everybody else has to react to it. Every one of us can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as we're paying attention to what he's saying and as we're reading the scripture to make sure that what he's saying is also correct. And that's why we talk to each other about this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. What is he saying to you? Oh, I don't feel like that tracks because the scripture actually contradicts what you feel like you heard. Praise the Lord. Thank you for telling me. I needed to hear that. We need to bind these things and keep what is good. And we need to loose the stuff that's not good and get rid of it because it doesn't need to be a part of the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine. My father's the vine dresser. You are the branches. We are branches that need to just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we need to practice more binding together. Bind together. I love that we have prayer on Friday mornings. If anybody is free on Friday mornings, you need to join up with these ladies. We're praying. If I wasn't working on Friday mornings, I would be there. Praise the Lord. Come on, if you're not doing anything on specific days that you know people are gathering together, then get with them. Go to someone's house on a weekday and just hang out with them for, for dinner. Those things are going to be stuff that builds you up. Coming to church is it's great, and we love being in the presence of God. But this is not the fix. Christ is the fix, and Christ is in community. We have to be in community. Okay. Let's stand this morning. Step one. You need to be able to go to people one-on-one, -on -one, have relationship with people enough to where you can approach them individually and be able to talk to them about things that's going on in your life or in their life. Step two, be comfortable and know that there are people who you can call on who are wise. Find those people that are in the community. Find those people who you can talk to, who you feel like they carry wisdom with them because they've experienced things and they've been with the Lord for a long time. 
Find those people and consult with them on what is on what what could happen inside your life first, and then also other people's lives if they're if they're closer to you. You guys all care about that. And then be so connected in the community that you can see fruit for what it is. Fruit that lasts and fruit that fades and that's not good. If you remember in Galatians chapter 5, at first, Paul gives you a list of all the different things that come from following after the flesh. And then afterwards, he says, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Notice those fruit and see, is this someone who is pursuing after the presence of God in the same manner that I am? then let's talk with one another and let's build each other up. If they're not, then I'm going to loose myself from that responsibility of, of having to deal explicitly with every single thing that they're going through and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to love on them so that when they meet Jesus, I can be a, a person that they feel like they can call on. We are not the kings of our castle. We're not the rulers over those things. We are in the kingdom of God which means that we're connected with Heartland Christian Family Church. We're connected with Love Church, Love First. We're connected with uh, every single church that's within this community that you can name out. If you have anybody who's been at these places, we're in the kingdom of heaven. We need to start inward and work outward. What is the Lord leading on your heart specifically? And then how is he doing that in the community as well? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If you feel like you've not been satisfied, then let's hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your, your guidance, for your provision. Thank you for everything that you're doing inside of, uh, inside of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing inside of this, this country right now and, and awakening the, the hearts of people to pursue after your presence. Lord, thank you that this is not about a specific person who can stand on the stage, who can sing a song, who can give a sermon, who can sit down and counsel. But Father, this is about worshiping and honoring you. Lord, before there were massive buildings and structures, before there were sound speakers, before there were massive instruments before there were anything that, that we, would, we would show as conferences or anything like that. Lord, there was your presence walking with us. So let us get back to our first love. Let us get back to the process of honoring you with everything that we do. Let us not set your presence on the cart of performance. But Lord, let us help us shoulder the weightiness and the responsibility of hosting your presence everywhere that we go, following after your truth, the absolute truth, the example that Christ set before us, stepping out in faith. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come up. Otherwise, you guys have a wonderful Sunday. Go have lunch with somebody. See you next week.